0: To me, a few weeks ago here on stage, actually, uh, I like to do the transitions like Miss Lynn did today. She bailed me out. I was supposed to do that today, but uh, she stepped up and did it for me, did awesome. But a few weeks ago, I was up here and it was like God was speaking to me about, you know, the worship songs that we had just sang. And he started ministering to me about the secret of how to be happy, the secret of contentment. And uh, and I said something. I don't even remember what I said. But after that, I kept kind of. I went back and read a little bit more in Philippians about uh, what Paul was talking about in that in that verse. And it's really blessed me over the past few weeks. So I want to share that uh, with you guys today. And besides, I think this this topic of the secret is just kind of intriguing to us because I know you guys love a good secret, right? Like when somebody walks up to you and they have this look on their face, like, hey. I got some news that nobody else knows about, and I want to share it with you. Like, you don't even know what it is, but you get amped up. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it could be like that there's a sale at the grocery store, but you're so excited because you're about to find something out that no one else knows about. So there's something about a secret that's just exciting to us. But this secret is, is, is especially important. Because it's the secret of how to be happy no matter what. And can I get a witness that we need more of that? Amen? We need to learn how to be happy uh, regardless of what our circumstances are. So this uh, secret, I don't even know if it qualifies as a full secret. Because the definition of a secret is something that is meant to be kept unknown to others. Something that's meant to be kept unknown to others. And this secret... Though I, I, I believe it qualifies as a secret in the fact that not many people know how to do it. But I feel like once we uncover and discover this secret, I feel like it's so good that we need to tell the rest of the world about it. So it's like half a secret. All right, so how to be happy no matter what. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I think the first step to discovering and uncovering the secret of how to be happy Uh, on the good days, but how to be happy, like Leanne was talking about, on the days that aren't so good, is we have to have a perspective shift. Would you agree that for us to be happy on a bad day, we have to change the way we look at things, right? We have to change the way we look at situations. We have to change the way we look at relationships. We have to change the way we look at everything in our life. We have to have a different perspective, a different outcome in mind. So for me to be able to um, explain and illustrate this uh, this concept that I'm trying to explain, I'm going to borrow uh, an illustration from Pastor Lee. Who knows Pastor Lee? Anybody met him? He's an awesome guy. He's, he's ministered to me a lot. He's a mentor to me. And he shared this uh, illustration with me a while back, and it's, and it's really taught me a lot. So I'm going to put my own spin on it, but I am going to give credit where credit's due that he did teach me this. So before I get into that, Who here is a sports fan? We got any sports fanatics out there? We got a few, yeah? All right. So me personally, um, I played football in high school and I loved it. I was like 165 pounds of just pure meanness. (laughs) As you can tell, you know, I like to hit. I like to play. I like to play ball. But something happened from high school to adulthood, I just don't really care much about sports that much anymore for no reason. I mean, I can sit down and watch a football game, but I just don't ever sit down in front of the TV and follow a team or anything like that. Uh, But every year, it never fails, I get invited to a Super Bowl party. And I'll go because mostly because people bring a bunch of good food and I like to go and watch the commercials and hang out with my friends and stuff like that. But I literally know nothing about um, the season or and they'll try to like talk to me about uh, previous games or the teams that are there. And they're like, hey, what would you think about the, the game last week? And I'll like try to give these vague answers so they don't know. I'm like, yeah, wow. Whew, you know, just say stuff that like I don't want to reveal that I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, and they're like, "What about that fourth quarter?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Tony Romo, man. Whoo, that's the only player I know." So <laughs> I just try to just go along with them because I could really honestly care less about the game, but I'll go and I'll have fun with my friends. I think it was it was either last year or the year before last. <laughs> Lexi's mouthing the word. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a Super Bowl party and. I was I was upstairs watching the game with my friends and it was like third quarter and the game was honestly it was so slow like it was not that great and At the time, you know, I'm really into, like, really manly stuff, like woodworking. You know, I like to build, like, rustic, like, farmhouse tables and work with my hands like a man does, you know. And so I'm up there watching the football game with my friends, but I'm also multitasking and and looking up uh, plans on how to build this rustic furniture. Very manly, but it just so happens to be on the Pinterest app. (laughs) And one of my friends... Uh, looks over my shoulder. I don't know why they're eavesdropping on what I'm doing on my phone. It's kind of creepy, but they they peek over at what I'm doing on my phone during the game, and all they see is that I'm on Pinterest. <laughs> so they don't even say anything to me. They just text one, their wife downstairs, and they're like, "Hey, Matt's up here on Pinterest, and we're, we're supposed to be watching the game. He needs to go down there with the women." <laughs> but that's just a look into how much of a sports fan I am. You know, it's all right, but. All that to say, I've got some friends that are big into sports and they love football and they love to watch the Super Bowl and they go crazy about it. And has anybody's team ever made the Super Bowl? Anybody ever watched the game when it's your team that's playing? It's crazy and it's so exciting for a sports fan to watch the Super Bowl when their team is there. And to me, as a non-sports fan, it's hilarious to watch My friends who are a lot of my friends are like business owners. They serve in the church. They're like distinguished people in the community. But during the Super Bowl, when their team is there, it's like they morph into somebody who's like bipolar and on this roller coaster of emotions. And it's like from moment to moment to moment. Like They could be on the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like If their team makes a good play, they'll jump up out of their chair and celebrate and hoot and holler and knock over the popcorn. They don't even care. But in the very next play, if if they get an offsides or something like that, they'll throw their hat in the dirt and stomp and they'll yell profanities at the TV screen as if that makes a difference, you know? And it's hilarious to me to watch a sports fan watch the Super Bowl and... As funny as it is, I kind of get it in the game of football because play by play, moment by, by moment, each play determines the outcome of whether or not their team wins the game, right? So it matters. Each moment matters. How this pans out matters as to whether or not we win the championship. But what I see, the problem is, is so many of us as Christians, we, we walk through life that way and we feel like Every play of our life, every situation of our life, if it doesn't pan out the way we had it pictured, the way we intended for it to, that we are at risk at no longer winning in life. And I I feel like this is where a lot of stress comes from. If If you're walking around with a lot of stress on you, a lot of baggage, a lot of fear, worry, anxiety, it's because you're looking at the situations of your life and you're worried that if this doesn't work out the way I want it to, I may not win in life or my future may not look as bright as I hoped it did. So it would. So you see so many people uh, turning to medication or drugs and alcohol or just committing these sins or these crimes because they feel like if, if things aren't working out the way they want it to, then now I have to take matters into my own hand and make it happen regardless of the consequences or I have to make myself not care that it doesn't work out. Right? You see so many people, and this is the root of it, as Christians, as believers, we think that if we don't perform or produce what we hoped we could produce, then God's will, God's perfect plan for our life may not be able to happen if we don't produce. And this is where stress and, and fear and worry and doubt comes from. And I think that if we're honest, I feel like each and every one of us has fallen into that trap Uh at one time or another. We've, we've gotten so nearsighted that, that we think that if we can't produce something, then our future may look dimmer. And that here's, here's the problem with that. And I've I I got this up on the screen. I, want, I, want, I really want you to remember this and take this home. That when we allow ourselves to be led by the external circumstances of this world, we severely discount the gift of God's grace and God's love in our life when we allow ourselves to be led by the external circumstances of the world, what happens out there, what happens in our life situations, we are severely discounting the gift of God's love and God's grace in our life. And what it, what it means to discount something is to value it at less. So think about this. How many of you would believe that God is with us always? I think unanimously we believe that. How many of you would believe that, that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that we could be made right in the eyes of God? Yes. That, that God, God's love for us is unconditional and that nothing could separate us from that love. you believe that? Yes. Okay, and that doesn't change, right? So now if we walk through life having that, but a situation, or a job doesn't work out, a relationship doesn't work out, uh, whatever circumstance doesn't work out, and now all of a sudden we lose our joy. We have effectively valued our life circumstances as greater than the eternal gift of of God's love and God's promises in our life. You see how dangerous that can be? You see the emotional roller coaster that 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 can send us on. That's why we have to have this perspective shift to be able to find the secret of how to be happy no matter what. So Jesus is trying to explain this to his followers. and, And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, he's trying to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, he says it this way in verse 44. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So I want you to picture this for a moment. There's this guy, and he's, he's walking through... Someone else's field. He's trespassing, I, I guess, <laughs> but he's just walking along through this field, and he trips over something in the ground. And I, I kind of picture it like a little treasure chest, you know. So he's curious. He's like, he's looking around, make sure nobody's watching because he's on somebody else's land. And he digs this little box up, and he opens it up, and I kind of picture it like a pirate's treasure and all these gold coins and rubies and stuff like that. And he's like, "Whoa, this is amazing! Look at this! What I have found!" And he, he does have some morals. I mean, he'll trespass, but he won't steal. So he's like, all right, I'm going to shut the lid, leave that there. And now I've got to figure out how to acquire this. So I'm going to just buy this whole place so that I can have that treasure, right? But then he has another problem. He said, oh, yeah, I don't have any money. I can't afford that. So he's like, the only way for me to be able to acquire that is I have to go off and I have to sell every single thing that I own. I got to sell my house. I got to sell my car. I got to sell my boat. I got to sell everything. In order to pay for that And he does it without hesitation So I want to ask you What logically would cause someone To go and immediately sell Every single thing that they have The answer is so simple It's, it's because he, what he discovered in the field Was worth far more Than anything that he could ever acquire Or produce I mean think about it How much would it take for you to go sell everything that you've got That's a lot of work Anybody ever move <laughs> It's a lot all right, But you would do it if you knew that you could purchase something that was of far more value, right? So this is what this man has done. He's went and he's sold everything that he's owned so that he could acquire the field which contained this treasure that he had found. And Jesus says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. We have to begin to take on this perspective of what the kingdom of heaven is. Like We have to realize that the treasure that we have... In the kingdom of heaven, and, and Jesus's way of life is so much more valuable than anything that we could ever produce or acquire or earn or gain on our own. And we have to be so willing now to say, "Look, I've got my own plans, my own uh, goals in life, my own way of doing things, but none of that is as important or as valuable as the way the kingdom of heaven works." So I'm willing to let go of of the way I had things pictured. The, the way I've tried to, to build my own life, I'm willing to let go of all that in order to live the kingdom way. Yeah. Because the kingdom way is so much more valuable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is the, the perspective that we have to adopt about the kingdom of God. And it's it's it sounds great. Everyone, I think everyone's like, yeah, that's exactly right. But if we're honest, sometimes that gets really hard when the rubber meets the road. To be able to lay down our own plans... To be able to lay down our own emotions and pick up the kingdom of God, because a lot of times the kingdom of God feels backwards, doesn't it? You know, it, it feels like if you're going to live according to the kingdom, you're going to be swimming upstream through life because the rest of the world's going this way. Kingdom of God's up this way, you know. And, and sometimes uh, you're, you find yourself in these uncomfortable situations, and, and you find yourself in the middle of conflict. And to choose the kingdom does not feel good. In fact, it feels like the opposite of what you want to do. And Jesus was super honest about this uh, as he taught, as he, as he talked to people. And he said, in this life, you're going to have a lot of hard times in this life. You're going to have many, many troubles, but thank God he didn't stop there. He didn't just walk away after that. He let his followers in on a secret and he said, Hey, but take heart because we win. I've overcome the world. I, I've fought the battle uh, for you and I've won. So yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's not going to feel good always. Yeah, there's going to be seasons of your life that are going to be difficult. But, but take heart, I've overcome the world and we win. So kind of back to my Pastor Lee Super Bowl analogy. I want you to go with me on kind of a crazy story for a minute. And I promise you, if you follow me, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So I want you to picture uh, my friend who is the Super Bowl football fanatic. And, and he's the one who celebrates and stomps and cusses and does all the crazy football stuff that most people do, right? But this year is different. His team has made the Super Bowl, and he is invested. He is going to watch the game. He's got all his friends planning to come over. But at the last minute, uh, due to a series of unfortunate events, he gets called into work. And he's not able to watch the game live. So he does what any good millennial does, and he goes on and he records the game on TV with the plan to immediately after work, turn and drive home and watch the game so that he can experience the Super Bowl, even if it's a couple hours late. So immediately after work, he gets in his vehicle and he he starts to head home, but he makes one fatal mistake. In his pocket, his phone buzzes and almost out of reflex, without even thinking, he pulls his phone out of his pocket swipes to unlock and looks. And his friend has just posted on Facebook the score, the final score of the game. And he sees it and he can't unsee it. He throws his phone down and tries to unsee it, but he's already processed it in his mind. So you can imagine the, the, the wide span of emotions that he's feeling in this moment. He is, his first thought is he's so mad at his friend for posting and leaking the score of the game before he could watch it. But then on the other hand, He's so excited because he just found out his team won the Super Bowl. So he's, now he's got, he's got these mixed feelings. But because he is such a, a sports fan and sports fans like to talk sports and they like to watch reruns on SportsCenter of the game and, and they like to act like they're the coach and say, I would have done this, I would have done that. He wants to go home and watch the game anyway, right? So he goes on home. He's already got it recorded. He's already got the popcorn popped. And he sits down and he watches the game. But I want you to, to think about how differently my friend, the sports fanatic, watches this game now. Now that the secret has been leaked of who wins the game, that his team wins, that the outcome is good. Now he watches the game, and though he, he feels disappointment when the quarterback gets sacked in the backfield, and, and though he gets frustrated when, when they throw an interception, or or maybe it's it feels uncomfortable when we're down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He has this this subtle contentment about him as he watches. He's he's no longer jumping up and down or throwing his hat down because he knows that the outcome is good and that even though this play was bad, it's not going to negatively affect the outcome of the game we still win. You know? And and it's like it's almost like now with this perspective shift of we win when they are behind in the fourth quarter with four minutes left by two touchdowns, there's almost this excitement that boils up in him like something good is about to happen because I know that we win. Yeah. So even though it may look bad right now, I've got the perspective shift of we got this. Yeah. We got this. And, and this is the, the way we have to begin to look at our own lives. If, if we believe the gospel... If we believe Jesus is who he said he is and he did what he what he said he did we know that yeah we're going to have a lot of trouble in this life but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world on our behalf and we win that's the big secret we win so so now when we have a rough week, Leanne or we have you know a, a situation that doesn't turn out the way that we had hoped or things aren't looking good about a situation that's unresolved yet, we can take a deep breath. And we can be content. We may feel uh, we may feel you know like frustration or disappointment about certain things, but that's not going to be the emotional roller coaster that we would be on if we didn't know the secret that God has overcome the world on our behalf. You see how that changes? That perspective shift changes somebody. Yeah. Well, the Apostle Paul he knew this. He understood the the power of this secret, and he wants to teach it to us, the church. So in Philippians chapter four, he's writing a letter to the church in Philippi, which is still relevant for us today. He gives some, some great advice and uh, we'll start in Philippians four verse six. And I love the the first phrase that he gives the church. He says, don't worry about anything. And that's a good word right there. Amen. Amen. That's for somebody today who has situations in their life that they're worried about who is being led by the external circumstances of this world, who who doesn't know how something's going to turn out, who's been stressed, who's been uh, depressed, who's had sleeplessness. Apostle Paul says, a preacher 2,000 years ago says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. How many would agree that, that we could replace some of our worry time with prayer time? hmm yeah, we a lot. <laughs> a whole lot. We can replace our worry time, our gossip time, our complaining time with prayer time. And there's power there. That's so what the Apostle Paul says. And he says then, tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. You see the perspective shift? We started out worrying. But Paul says, instead of worrying, just pray, tell God what you need, and give thanks. The perspective shift. And here's what he says. And then... So here's the result of the perspective shift. And then you will experience God's peace. So not even my own peace, but a a peace that comes from God, that belongs to God. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can even understand. And His peace will now guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. His peace that He gives as we shift our perspective from worry about problems to gratitude about what God has done, has done, then God gives us his peace. Imagine how much peace God has. The creator of the world, of the universe, the all-knowing, the ever-present, mighty God, the powerful God that has unlimited resources, that is, is undefeated by any foe. Imagine the peace that he has. And now when we, when we surrender no longer to our circumstances, but we begin to surrender to the Almighty God and say, God, uh, I'm your kid, you're my dad, and I need you to provide for me. I need you to fight this battle for me. Now, he says, okay, I'll take control. I've, remember, I've overcome the world is what he says. Now we're operating under his peace. When we begin to give him thanks for what he's doing in our life, we no longer have to carry the burden or the weight of, of producing anything. But God, thank you for all that you've done. And he will guard your hearts and your minds as you live each day in Christ. So he'll guard your hearts and your minds from what? From fear, from worry, from doubt, from anxiety, from depression, all these things. God will guard you from those things as you shift your perspective to a a perspective of gratitude to God for what he's done. So then Paul goes on to say, I have learned the secret. Of being content in any and every situation. I've learned the secret. Isn't this so exciting? Imagine reading this letter for the first time. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well fed or I'm hungry. Whether I'm living in plenty or I'm in want. He could have said whether the president is democratic or republican. He could have said whether the world is in a pandemic or it's not, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, any of that. He could have said that anything I can do. Here's the secret. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I love how he downplays the circumstances. He said, I can do anything. I can do whatever. Somebody, somebody say, whatever. Whatever. That's what the, that's what the kids say in the back a lot. Whatever. that that means anything like literally anything (laughs) I can do whatever because Christ is the one who gives me my strength anything at all and and Paul he he kind of downplays these these circumstances that he's he's talking about because Paul literally went through everything you know and he says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength so I want you I want you to think for a moment. Think about the things that in, in, in your life that you feel you cannot do. The situations that you're going through right now that feel impossible. And you say, yeah, that's, that sounds like a, a great verse, Matt. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I feel like I don't have that strength right now. I feel like I've been trying and I've been failing. And, I, and there's things that I'm, I'm unsure about and that haven't worked out. Well, I, wanna, I want to remind you about two words in this scripture that say, through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. So I want, I, want, I want you to begin to evaluate your situations and ask yourself, not in a condemning way or anything like that, but ask yourself, am I going at this situation as through Christ? As through Christ? Because when you do things through Christ, that means you have to do things Christ's way. And, and can I get a amen that sometimes Christ's way is a little bit different than Matt's way? right? But the scripture says I can do all things through Christ. That means in Christ's timing, not Matt's timing, which is often different. (laughs) What about with Christ's end goal in mind? A lot of times I, I've got my own goal in mind of, I want to get what's mine. I want to get what I deserve. I want to get what I want. And a lot of times Jesus has a different plan in mind. Jesus isn't worried about uh, whether you look smart or whether you get paid you know, all this money or whether you get uh, what's coming to you and they get what they deserve. I think Christ's goal is in any conflict, any situation, that his goodness and his love be communicated through every situation. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Are we going at our life's circumstances and life's problems as through Christ? Because if not, if we're going through Matt it's going to, I'm not going to feel like I have that much strength. Things are going to be hard because that may not be God's perfect and pleasing will for my life. He wants me to do things, uh, under his mission as an employee, as a, as a slave to him, all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Paul, it's so funny. I love, I love the life of the apostle Paul because he mentions like being well-fed or hungry, or living in plenty or in want. But in comparison to what all he went through, that was so minimal. But he makes the focus on his relationship and the presence of God in his life. And he says, I have learned the secret. Like Paul Paul didn't, some, nobody came running up to Paul and tells him the secret of how to be content in every situation. Paul says, I learned the secret of how to be content in any and every situation. Well, how did he do that? Well, he, he learned it by going through hell, pretty much. He went through everything that you could imagine. Let's see. He was, he was rejected by his friends. They didn't even want him to be an apostle because of his past. He was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit. In fact, he's in prison as he writes this letter in chains, writing about how to be content and happy in every situation. He was, he was stoned literally to death <laughs> and then came back. And then he, he, uh, was, he was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He had been through every single thing that you can imagine, but somehow, throughout all of those things, he was able to learn this secret that he can do all of this through Christ who gives him strength. How did he learn that? He learned that because, through no matter what problem that he went through, he realized that God's goodness prevailed in his life every single time. And he was able to learn that that is his source. That regardless of what life throws at me, God never leaves me. God never leaves me. And this is the secret that, that we have to learn. And it's so hard for us um, to do this because life is hard sometimes. And even Jesus struggled with this. You know that? That even Jesus had a hard time doing things uh, God's way and going through hard times in the garden right before he was arrested. Uh, You remember what he did? He he knelt down to pray and he was so stressed out that he would begin to sweat drops of blood. I've never been that stressed. I've been stressed, but that's pretty stressed. And, And he began to pray to God and he said, Father, if there be any other way, please take this cup from me. But he said, nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. He wanted to live his life. According to to the kingdom of heaven, to to God's perfect will for his life. And I feel like here's where we get confused. So, so many times we believe that it's God's will for us to live comfortable lives. We believe that in the kingdom of God, once we give our life to Jesus, that now we have the favor of God on our life, which we do. But, but we think that the favor of God means we never have to go through uncomfortable situations any longer. That the bad thing that, that is a fear in our life is never going to happen. And, and we begin to be disheartened when an uncomfortable situation comes up in our life and we begin to say, God, where are you? I thought, I thought we had something going. I thought you were with me. I thought you would never fail me. And now this happened and all of a sudden your joy is gone. And your happiness is gone and you're on this roller coaster of emotion because you had a misunderstanding or an unrealistic expectation of God and how he works. So I want you to consider this. I want you to to go home and think about this today, that that God has not called us to live comfortable lives. Think about it. God has not called us. In fact, he does not want us to just live life in a padded room. What good would that be? But it could be that the whole Bible is focused on on teaching us to be confident and content in uncomfortable situations. The whole Bible. Imagine, think about the stories in the Bible. All you see is God's people going through conflict. And it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's scary, and it's stressful. But at the end, guess what? God wins every time. It could be that the whole Bible is focused on teaching us to be confident and content in uncomfortable situations. Why is that? I think it's because where does light shine the brightest in the dark? In the dark. How valuable would a Christian be in the middle of a conflict? How valuable would would a soldier for Jesus be in the middle of a dark world with their light shining bright? How eye-catching would that be to a non-believer? To see somebody in the middle of conflict with this contentment, not bothered by the things that are going on in the world, but has this internal peace of Jesus in their life. So I love this. Uh, also, this scripture that kind of just reiterates this point, And it's what God says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17. I love this. And I want you to I want you to use your imagination on this and I want you to picture it in uh, Jeremiah 17 verses seven and eight. God says through Jeremiah, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. The Lord. So not those who have made their job their hope and their confidence. Not those who have made their relationship their hope and their confidence. Not those who have made their IRA or their 401k or whatever their hope and their confidence. It says blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Where's our hope? Where's our confidence today? Is it is it uh, the news? Is it our president? Is it where is where is our hope and our confidence? And it says that if it's the in the Lord you'll be blessed. So here's where I want you to use your imagination. In verse 8 it says, "People like that, those who have made the Lord their hope and their confidence are like trees" Planted along a riverbank. So I want you to go with me here. If you need to close your eyes or whatever you do to be able to get visual in your mind, I want you to picture these trees planted along this riverbank. All right? And it says that they have roots that reach deep down into the water. So as you're you're picturing this tree in your mind, I want you to to go down beneath the soil and you begin to see all these roots just going deep, this huge root ball going down deep into the soil. And at the very bottom, these roots go down into an underground stream. And and these roots are are wet. And now just come back up to the top and, and you see the tree there. And it says that such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. They're not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought above the surface. They just look like a a regular tree, but there are some trees whose roots don't go down into the water. So now imagine, imagine you're walking through this field again and it's in the middle of the, the heat of summer and there's been a drought, and everyone's worried about, it. man, it's too hot. All the crops are dying. It hasn't rained in weeks. And all the trees are beginning to turn brown, and the leaves are dead, and, and all the crops are dying. But then as you walk along, you come up to this one tree whose leaves are green and beautiful, and it never has stopped producing fruit. How eye-catching would that be to see it? And you'd say, wow, that's interesting. I wonder why that tree is not brown and dead but why is that tree full of life think about it and think think about us as christians walking through the world today with all that's going on in the world well we could we could turn brown and have uh, dead leaves like the rest of the world we could complain and be worried and be fearful and say the same things the world is saying or we could be planted by uh, the stream that never dries up we could be watered from uh, below the surface Where it doesn't matter if it rains or if the sun shines or if it's hot or or whatever because our source comes from the inside and our leaves can stay green and we can never stop producing fruit. How eye-catching would that be to a non-believer? This is why God wants us in the middle of uncomfortable situations because He knows that He's going to provide for us. He's going to be there for us no matter what. And if He plants us in an uncomfortable situation, the whole world is going to be drawn to what we have. This is the secret to being content in every situation is that our source is not external circumstances. It's it's a God who loves us. It's a God who cares for us. and, And we're not watered by the rain out there. We're watered from within, from God's love. Paul says, I can do all things, all things through Christ who gives me strength. I feel like God wants us to be confident, wants us to be content. In every uncomfortable situation. So let's, let's quit living life on the roller coaster of emotions. Let's quit being fearful that every single situation has the potential to ruin the outcome of our future. When we walk in God's love, we're blessed. When we walk as followers of Christ, He is with us always. And He's good. And He says, yeah, you're going to have problems. Yeah, life's going to be hard sometimes. But take heart, because I, I'm going to tell you this secret. We win. It's It's okay. Your team wins. I've overcome the world. And I'm going to finish with this, this last scripture. It's a popular scripture that we've read many times here. But it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So as you look around, you see a lot of people doing a lot of things, saying a lot of things, reacting to to situations in certain ways. And Paul writes, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's let's not just blend into the other dead trees out in the world. Let's be watered from within by the goodness of God. And let's never stop producing fruit in our life. And that way we can learn God's pleasing and perfect will in our life, which is abundant life, which is contentment in Him. Because He's a good Father. Amen? Amen. Well, can I pray for you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, your love. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. God, you know our needs. You know the condition of the world. You know the condition of our lives and our situations, God. So we just take paul's advice and we no longer worry but we just tell you what we need and we we pray to you god and we just say thank you for what you're doing in each and every situation that's here today god thank you that that you give us strength in every situation to not just survive but to to reign in life to be victorious in life God, even though we may be planted in an uncomfortable situation, God, help us to be confident and content because we know that you have overcome the world on our behalf. So thank you for your peace today, God. We just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.